is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Dolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Kristen Fisher. Kristen is the executive director of Ablaze Family Ministries. They work with a family's encounter and respond to the Lord together. She's been a youth minister for over 16 years, uh, professionally four years as a volunteer, especially through OLPH. She's a, a wife and a mother of four. Just a blessing. So many good things you've done in the diocese. A special welcome to you today, uh, today Kristen. Thank you so much, Father B. It's great to be here. Uh, what a great blessing. Obviously, we've known each other for many years and got to be, got to be the officiant of your wedding and just did so, so many good things. And here you have a new book called The One Best mm-hmm. Thing, A Practical Guide for Raising Families of Faith. And it's co-written. Uh, you wrote it with her husband Greg, Catherine DeVette, um, the PhD, Mariana Taylor is a licensed therapist. But can you tell me a little bit about the backstory of uh, how are you inspired to write this book? Sure, absolutely. So my husband and I have four children, and our our fourth son was born about five and a half years ago, and we realized really quickly that something was wrong and saw a lot of doctors and nurses and uh, spent some time in the hospital, and and finally he was diagnosed with life-threatening food allergies. And our best option, the, the gastroenterologist told us, was actually to continue to breastfeed him because it is the healthiest thing and they are more likely to be able to digest it, but I would have to slash my diet significantly. And so we, it was a lot of trial and error, but eventually, after many months of continued struggle, I had to slash my diet down to five total foods. Wow. And it was, you know, he had some colonoscopies and endoscopies. I mean, just, just so much medical stuff for such, such a little guy and he wasn't growing and he was refusing to eat, absolutely refusing mm-hmm. to eat. And we were really hopeful that once we figured out what the trigger foods were, you know, and, and his gut could heal and, and he would recognize that, you know, it's safe to eat again, that, that he would want to eat suddenly, you know. And, and in those months of trial and error, we had to feed him in his sleep with like a preemie bottle, you know, a very slow drip oh. bottle so that he didn't know he was eating. And all of that was to avoid a, a feeding tube, you know, to because there was absolutely no desire in him to eat. Mm-hmm. But even once we discovered, you know, his vast array of of trigger mm-hmm. foods and we were able to find enough safe foods to sustain him, he still was not willing to breastfeed. He wasn't willing to take a bottle. He wasn't willing to eat anything. It was, it was really a struggle. And so we ended up in feeding therapy for about a year and a half. And in mm-hmm. feeding therapy, we discovered a whole world of children and adults, actually, who for whatever reason, don't want to eat. And it's not that they don't experience hunger. They do. Mm -hmm. But there's something either making it fearful or making it unattractive in some way to eat. And so you have to patiently kind of undo the damage and redirect them so that they can ultimately, you know, try food and, and see that it is not only safe, but satisfying and really enjoyable, you know, mm. so that so that you can actually grow and thrive. And so through this process, it was a real struggle and I was crying out to the Lord every day. There was there was grace upon grace, but it was it was a really hard time. And afterwards I was reflecting on it and, you know, just saying to the Lord, like if 
if there was something more than just you wanted to purify me and make me know that I need you, you know, if there's anything <laughs> more that was to come of that, I, I need your help seeing it because it just, um, you know, it was pretty traumatic for us as a family. And uh, I felt like the Lord said in prayer, go get a pencil and write this down. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I really, I felt like he was saying, and my husband too, independently in prayer, we were feeling like he was saying in prayer, I was demonstrating for you through Seamus really what happens to every single one of you because of sin. I built you with a built-in hunger for me, a built-in need for me. I am the only one who will ever satisfy you and, and allow you to grow and thrive. But because of sin, that hunger is disoriented and it's distracted and uh, it needs it needs feeding therapy, right? You, my sons and daughters, need a, a process of spiritual feeding therapy to reorient your hunger and encounter me in a way that satisfies so that you recognize how good I am and how, how nourishing I am and how wonderful I am so that then you are ultimately self-motivated, right, to, to keep seeking me and, and allowing your hunger, guided by the Holy Spirit, to, to draw you ever closer to myself. And so that was the story that started it all. And so we were able to prayerfully discern all the different steps that we had to take in the feeding therapy process with our son Seamus and all the lessons that we learned the very, very hard way. Mm -hmm. And they all had really powerful spiritual correlations. And so as parents who want to raise kids to know and love the Lord, it's helpful to recognize they were made for him. They just don't usually know that, right? Their their hunger mm -hmm. is oriented and but we can help them with that. And then as people who work and serve in the church, um, it's the same thing, right? Whether they're our biological children or our spiritual children, it's our job to help people discover their own hunger and be be ready to encounter the Lord who satisfies. I found it fascinating about you spoke of that there's a patterns of preference and this idea mm -hmm. that some people are kind of in their first gear drawn to beauty, others to truth, others to, to goodness. And it's fascinating because I was sharing with someone I knew and I was telling them about your book. And they, they said, like, after one minute of kind of explaining that, he said, that explains my three daughters. I've never thought about it that way, but that explains them perfectly. This one went into this field. This one went into the science field. This one went into this. Mm -hmm. and this one's an artist. And, and he said in that brief explanation, it explained a whole lot that he'd never thought about before with his daughters. Yeah. Tell me more about that, that patterns of preference. Yeah. So, you know, with Seamus, we kept offering him all kinds of sweet things because that's what we had always offered our other babies as first food. And we were going nowhere. And the feeding therapist was like, have you, well, have you tried anything else? And I, you know, I was kind of embarrassed, but I was like, no, you know, I mm -hmm. haven't. So she said, why don't you just give him a plate of whatever you are eating, Kristen, because you know that what you are eating is in the breast milk. You know that it's safe, right? It's not It's not harming him. So you know it's safe. And, and so every night we just gave him a plate of food. And finally one day he, like, he reached over and picked up some pork. And he loved it. Oh, my gosh, he mm -hmm. loved it. It never would have occurred to me to give someone meat as a first food, right? You know, that, that a mm -hmm. baby would want that or at, at the time. He was like, you know, 15 months old. But that, mm -hmm. the Lord was like, you know, when we provide only one flavor of spirituality, when we provide only one flavor of, of encounter, we're probably missing the boat with people. It's not because that encounter is not a real encounter. It is. But if it's not the flavor that they crave, if it's not their spiritual preference, then they're not going to necessarily recognize the Lord in that encounter, and they're not going to want to be open to him. So in the spiritual life, we look for patterns of preference. What are people in our lives and what are, our, you know, in our own hearts, what are we recognizing that consistently 
is attractive to us, consistently is an inclination that kind of shows up again and again. So you have beauty lovers who love the arts, who love anything that involves the five senses, but also the imagination, but also beauty in creation, right? These are these are typically adventure seekers, thrill seekers. These are people who love hikes. These are people who really love and crave peacefulness, just anything that really they want to encounter the Lord in, in and through their senses and their imagination. And then we have truth lovers, and truth lovers are always seeking to know what is most real, what is most real about the world and creation and, you know, math and science and all of that, but what is most real about myself, what is most real about God. And so people are always sort of like testing out their truth. We see um, when I was working with Mariana and Catherine, obviously they are our kind of psychological experts that Mm -hmm. helped author this book, but we found that a lot of people who end up in leadership positions are truth seekers, right, because they've discovered Mm -hmm. that that they're good at this. And and that's a truth that they speak to themselves and they surround themselves with others who speak that truth to them, and they operate Mm -hmm. in a manner of integrity out of that truth. I'm good at this and I can do this. And so they they're very confident, and so they end up being good leaders very often. The goodness lovers are looking to live in right relationships, you know, with others, with themselves, and, and hopefully ultimately with God. So these tend to be movers and shakers who seek justice and mercy and who are very often drawn to service. They love to serve. They love to be generous. They love to show hospitality. They value friendship, all of this. So there's lots of different ways that that hunger can manifest for, for beauty, truth, and goodness. You know, it's not just three ways. I mean, there's a whole spectrum within each of the three of those mm-hmm. that those manifest. But we can see in, in all of the, you know, the disciples, the apostles, the saints over the ages, how these different hungers for the Lord were satisfied by him. And then when he satisfies you, of course, he also nourishes you, right? Like food doesn't just make your hunger go away. It delivers nutrients that helps you to grow. And so then these saints are able to not only encounter the Lord in a way that satisfies, but then ultimately grow into someone who becomes food for the world in a particular way, usually through that same kind of preference mode of beauty, truth, mm-hmm. and goodness. But as any good parent knows, you can't just feed their kids their favorite foods all the time. It's great to leverage their favorites to get them to eat in general, you know, and, and especially mm-hmm. for Seamus and anyone who has trouble eating to leverage. Once you discover a flavor preference, you leverage that then to help them open their mouths to a wide variety of foods. And yeah. so that's what the Lord is asking of us as well, right? I want start with the one that makes the most sense. Start with the one where you'll say, oh, it's you, <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you, Lord. But ultimately, because he himself is beauty, truth, and goodness, mm-hmm. to encounter all of him, we need to be to be open to experiencing him and coming to know him in and through all of, all of his ways of presenting himself, all of his ways of mm-hmm. being. Wonderful. Well, what a great blessing. We're learning about the one best thing, a practical guide to raising families of faith. And in our next segment, we're going to focus a little bit more specifically is giving some examples of where you've seen this really helpful for children. And this is not just for parents. It's also for those in ministry. It could, it's for priests. We have to be thinking about that when we're preaching and how we're presenting things. And really, yeah, it just shows the diversity of how God made us and how the certain desires that different people have and hungers. So well, we'll be back in our second segment with more. I'm Father Brian Miller for Catholic Review Radio. The 
The Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Each year at back-to-school time, many parents are in sticker shock about school supply costs. This year, with inflation, is no exception, as parents pay more attention to everything from notebooks to backpacks to calculators, never mind shoes and clothes, and for some, laptops and digital technology. The National Retail Federation reported in June that school supply prices were expected to increase by 40%, and one loan company said 37% of parents with school-aged children said they are unable to afford back-to-school shopping. Last year, many families had help with these purchases through the government's monthly payment with its child tax credit. This year, not only are families feeling the pinch, but service agencies are seeing a decrease in donations. This year marks the end of Universal Free School Lunches in Public Schools, a federally funded program during the pandemic that was not renewed. Not only will students and parents face the cost for meals if students don't qualify for free lunches, they will also incur rising costs of making packed lunches at home due to higher grocery costs. Catholic charities agencies around the country are helping with annual school supply drives to get backpacks and notebooks in the hands of as many students as possible. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. St. Anthony Catholic School in Northeast Washington has been vandalized twice in less than a week in what the principal of the school is calling a hate crime. Quote, when they tore up benches out front, that was vandalism, said school principal Michael Tamazian. When they destroy statues of St. Anthony and the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph, that is an attack on something explicitly Catholic, and that is an act of hate, end quote. On August 11th, school officials discovered that overnight vandals destroyed property outside of the church, toppling and decapitating the school's statue of St. Anthony, pulling up benches from the school playground, and damaging a concrete windowsill. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach... Catholic Schools, rise above. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan, priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Kristen Fisher here. Kristen, along with her husband Greg and Catherine DeVette and Mariana Taylor, a licensed therapist, wrote a book called The One Best Thing, A Practical Guide for Raising Families of Faith. And it really just appreciates that there's different hungers that we have. And primarily, we have kind of a first-gear hunger, whether it's beauty or truth or goodness, and how knowing that helps us help people to thrive spiritually. And can you give some examples? Let's just start with just beauty. People, like maybe children or young people attracted to beauty, or even in your own life, what's an example Mm -hmm. of by knowing that 
you can really help them to thrive spiritually. Yeah, so people who are attracted to beauty often have certain attributes, certain character traits, like they're active, adventurous, curious, sometimes, you know, kiddos who can't sit still, even adults who can't sit still. (laughs) Sometimes, though, they're very different. They're orderly, they're organized, they like a routine, right? So you might think that's very opposite, but actually those are manifestations of a hunger for beauty. They're artistic, creative, imaginative, sometimes they're private, quiet, reflective, all of that. And so for different ones, there are different kinds of beauty that might be most satisfying for them. So in the book we describe, we put character traits into different clusters that you might not have all of those traits, but anyone with these three or four traits might particularly find a satisfying encounter with the Lord in this particular way of praying. These might be some blind spots that they would experience. Everyone has blind spots, and it's good to Mm -hmm. know about them, to be spiritually aware. And these are different saints who also had a hunger in this way and different scripture passages that might be particularly powerful for people with these ones. For example, active, adventurous, curious, spontaneous people. We see this a lot in in young kids. They have a Mm -hmm. really heightened sense of wonder. And in general, younger kids really do crave beauty. We said uh, like through age seven and eight, there's sort of a natural hunger for beauty there. And so there's different ways of praying that might be really great for them, like hands-on opportunities and experiences, pilgrimages, prayer mm-hmm. with movement, the rosary, believe it or not. But, you know, if you if you give them a rosary to hold and they can move the beads, it helps a lot if they can look at pictures of mm-hmm. the mysteries, right? This sacred art to, to move along. Even if you have like really light chant in the background, lighting some candles, like really creating a mood, something mm-hmm. visually, something auditory, something to kind of ground them in the experience helps them a lot. Praise and worship for those who who prefer that kind of music or chant or, you know, more traditional hymns. All of these are are really powerful ways for beauty lovers to pray. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I'm not a child, obviously, but Mm -hmm. beauty is probably my primary flavor preference. And I feel very close to the Lord in beautiful sanctuaries, but also in yeah. beauty and nature. I feel very, very close to him. And I, I have a very strong sense of, of wonder and awe in his presence when I look at the sky, when I look at the night sky, when I see a beautiful sunset. You know, a lot of people can see that and say like, wow, that's beautiful. But I see mm-hmm. that and I recognize the hand of my creator. So for parents of those kids or for ministers of those kids mm-hmm. or adults even, you know, just even kind of connecting the dots for them and pointing out, you know, that, okay, we're not in a in an intentionally religious space, but because God made everything, all of creation is is part of his temple, right, where he dwells. And so he is here, and and he made this, and he made it with you in mind. And it's all so big, and you're so small, and yet he loves you more than any of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, just that sort of encouragement and, and just kind of gentle guidance offering them this opportunity to to really uh, experience wonder and awe and, and help lead them from wonder and awe to a sense of piety, right? Like, what do I want to do mm-hmm. with this? this amazement that I feel, I want to worship the one who made it, right? What do I mm-hmm. what do I want to do with this peace that I feel? I want to worship the one who gives it. Yeah, what would you say about truth and goodness? Give some examples of that. Yeah, so truth lovers are, like I said, a lot of leaders are truth lovers. So a lot of people that we see with traits like being ambitious, assertive, competitive, but also people who, who are not you know, visible leaders. They're analytical, though. They're, they're thinkers. They're experimental, logical, pragmatic, all of that. And so they do very well with encountering the Lord in, in truth, right? So they do well with, like, the church fathers. They do well with scripture study. 
They would do really well with a spiritual mentor, right? Someone who is like them, who can kind of guide them and, and share from their own experience how they've kind of wrestled with sometimes truth lovers get in their own way because they tend to be, you know, intellectual, right? And so mm-hmm. they sometimes in, in appreciating your own intellectual giftedness, sometimes you maybe esteem it too highly, let's say, you right. know, so having a mentor <laughs> to guide you and, and just keep you humble, mm-hmm. reading what St. Paul has to say, you know, his encouragement about running the race and and persevering and, and being humble and, and keep moving. They tend to appreciate stories of of Jesus when he is powerful and he is a strong leader, you know, that that resonates with them where he's where he's manifesting his glory and his power that that resonates with him. Uh, some of their blind spots might be, you know, again, you know, sometimes they struggle with some humility. Sometimes they struggle with being patient with other people who are less intellectually inclined or even just less interested. Maybe they're very intellectually inclined, but they're just less interested in talking about it or discussing it or debating that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So growing in patience and, and providing them leadership opportunities that are, that are a good fit. Believe it or not, developmentally, kids in like maybe fourth grade up through middle school, early high school, what's going on in their brain, this is this is the ripe season for really strong truth. And it's why, you know, in the going, going, gone research, the median age of people who left the church, they they self-identified that they chose to leave the church at age 13. They didn't walk out the doors until they were young adults because that's when they had like permission to leave, you know, but in their hearts and in their minds, they made the choice as 13-year-olds. So that's like a seventh grader. And it's mm-hmm. often, it's a lot of reasons, but you kind of distill it down and look for patterns in their reasons. It, did, it didn't make sense, right? It, it didn't resonate with them. They couldn't figure out why it mattered. Mm-hmm. No one came in strong with how this is true, and not just sort of true as a history lesson, but true for your life, right? Because they're trying to decide what's true about themselves and about the world. And so if we don't connect the dots of what is true about God and what he's done all throughout history and what he has said with you know, what we're seeking about truth about each other and about ourselves, then they'll go searching elsewhere for that. And they'll just dismiss Jesus and his church as sort of, you know, they go the way of of the tooth fairy. You know, that was a nice childhood story. For goodness lovers, goodness lovers love scripture passages, of course, about healing and about mercy and about, about Jesus feeding the crowd, right? He sees people. They they want to be seen and known and loved, and they love it when they read about saints and, and scripture stories, when Jesus sees and knows and loves us. They often enjoy prayer in a group, you know, where a beauty lover might want to spend time alone and a, a truth lover might want to spend time reflecting on, on scripture or some writing of a saint. You know, goodness lovers really often, not always, but often benefit from praying with a group of people and reflecting, kind of processing out loud among a group of people. So, you know, you might have more goodness lovers than anything else in something like a youth group, right? Because they they desire that community and they know that they desire that community, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So journaling, expressive ways of praying. Sometimes these people, because they are often, you know, em- emotionally invested in the lives of others, Sometimes that can feel like a bit of a roller coaster, you know, as our emotions go up and down. So learning the Ignatian rules for discernment is very stabilizing for these people. You know, how can we recognize how the Holy Spirit is at work in and through our feelings and our emotions? What's he doing in all of that and and guiding us? and, And how is he, you know, trying to be in right relationship with us, even as he guides us 
in mm-hmm. those ways, providing them opportunities for holy friendships, right? If, if you have a goodness lover, they're probably an extrovert, right? <laughs> you know, right. And, and they, they will very much rely on the, uh, the opinions and the experiences of their peers and, and other people. And that's fine. Provide them with a cloud of witnesses. Provide them with a circle of people in your family, if you can, in your neighborhood, in your parish, you know, any, anywhere you can. The more the merrier. You can never have enough, mm-hmm. you know, other people to, to just befriend them, obviously, and also just share their own authentic love for the Lord and love for others. That will resonate deeply with them. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, that our, our love for others can grow exponentially when it's powered by the love of God. Kristen, this this has been such a, a grace and far too short for the breadth and depth of this. Really, it's it's a nice size workbook uh, that has videos mm-hmm. and some other things. How, how would someone get this book, The One Best Thing? Where would they order it? So you can get it right on Amazon, and you can just you know type in the title of the book, The One Best Thing, and you'll, it'll pop up. It's a book with pretty orange trees on the cover, a practical guide to raising families of faith. So it's very easy to purchase and find right on Amazon. I think that's wonderful. Well, we are blessed to have you and keep up your good work in ministry and good work in helping support families and, and those who serve in any way, ministers, and especially those working with young people, and even just for our own, knowing how we can grow uh, because we all are made differently with those different hungers and desires, whether it's uh, beauty, truth, or goodness. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. So, I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.